This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Craig Kopp reporting. It was an emotional night on the floor of the Florida House. I know this because I have been raped. And only a handful of people know about it until now. Because I have been ashamed to share it. I was always pro-life until I had a choice. And then I had a choice. And I selfishly made the choice to have an abortion. It was the final House debate over a 15-week abortion bill. Legislation to address the fatherhood crisis has been approved by the House. The best title that I've ever had is being a dad. Some emotion there, too. And an only in Florida police chase. I have a, a bike pursuing a suitcase in a minute. The cop was on a bicycle. The perp was riding a motorized suitcase through the Orlando International Airport. But first, approval was never in doubt. But that didn't mean there wasn't deeply felt and sometimes deeply personal debate on House Bill 5, which bans abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. Democratic Representative Kristen Arrington focused on the refusal to at least amend the bill to include exceptions for rape or incest. We heard that an exception for an abortion wasn't needed for rape or incest because of the low amount of abortions that were performed on those that were victims and that the reason for the abortion as rape or incest was reported. I know that the number of 126 abortions performed due to rape or incest in 2021 isn't accurate because victims aren't honest about being raped because of the shame and the stigmatism that surrounds it. And we pass legislation like this, it validates that perception. I know this because I have been raped and only a handful of people know about it until now because I have been ashamed to share it. Like many victims, I was raped by someone I know who wouldn't listen when I said no. And still to this day, I wonder what I could have done differently and feel embarrassed that this happened to me, a strong, independent woman. I know me sharing this isn't going to change anything, but I want my colleagues to know just because someone hasn't reported that they've been raped doesn't mean that it didn't happen. And even if the numbers reported are low by your standards, that doesn't validate the notions that victims should be forced to have a baby conceived out of violence. And to those that are watching at home and that are here in the gallery that have been raped, please know that I value you, your body, your choice, your health, whether we're referring to physical or mental health. Republican Dana Trubolsky stood in support of the bill and shared a personal story, too, about the abortion she regrets. I've lived in poverty. I've had two children, and I've worked three jobs without an education. I've been raped, and I've had an abortion. And I was always pro-life until I had a choice. And then I had a choice, and I selfishly made the choice to have an abortion not because something was wrong with my baby, um, not for any other reason than it just wasn't convenient for me. It didn't fit my narrative. It didn't fit my lifestyle. I didn't want a baby, so I had an abortion. And it's something that 
I have regretted every day since. Nobody at Planned Parenthood tried to talk me out of it. Nobody offered me mental health services after it was completed. I couldn't tell any of my friends because I was ashamed. I had to, um, as my children grew up, and they're all adults now, um, I had to tell them what I had done. Did I have to tell them? No. But I did, because it was the right thing to do. Because the last thing I wanted was, after I'm gone from this world, for my children to find out I had done this and not have been able to explain it to them myself. Republican Kaylee Tuck pointed out that HB5 doesn't just ban abortion after 15 weeks. She said it was a comprehensive bill to protect human life. I sat in a committee and heard hours of presentations and testimony about infant mortality and how Florida is ranked 18th. That is not a category we want to be leading. Like most presentations we hear, the point is to listen to the problems and try to come up with solutions to address those problems. This bill provides those solutions. The bill establishes fetal and infant mortality review in every region of the state to make sure that each region has individualized solutions tailored to regional trends. This is especially important to me as I represent three rural counties. The bill also includes tobacco cessation efforts specifically focused on pregnant women and quality improvement initiatives for hospitals with labor and delivery units. These are all good things for children and mothers. Most folks are debating the abortion regulation of this bill, and rightfully so. This is a really tough issue. But I can't tell you how many people came to me with religious arguments, philosophical arguments, both for and against. This issue is none of that. This issue is about protecting human lives. This issue is about protecting the most vulnerable of our population. And this issue is about standing up for those that can't stand up for themselves. Democrat Robin Bartleman wanted to talk about numbers, specifically 15 weeks. Bartleman shared her story of having an abnormal pregnancy and sitting with her husband as they discussed all the horrible options and wrote them down on legal pads. These were the most painful conversations I ever had in my life. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And why am I telling you about the legal pads? Because they're important. Because no other Floridian after this bill will get to have those legal pad conversations. And you want to know why? Because an amnio is given the earliest at 16 weeks. A bodily anomaly scan, the earliest can be given is at 18 weeks. So when you get that terrible, heartbreaking news, you don't even have a decision because the state of Florida has already taken it away from you. Think about that, Floridians. Think about that. When you get that news, you and your husband and your family have no decision. It's taken away from you because of an arbitrary number, 15 weeks. You couldn't even wait to get an anatomy scan so people could make sound decisions. You couldn't wait for the amnio so that people can make a decision about how this is gonna impact their life and their family's life. This was a decision between my husband, my doctor, and my God, yes, I believe in God. 
but this was my decision and not any one of you belonged in that room with me. And by passing this bill, you are inserting yourself into every Florida family's decision as to whether or not it is in their best interest to terminate the pregnancy. Republican David Barrero said the whole issue boils down to an age-old dilemma, deciding what a person is. It's a funny thing about that word, person. Perhaps there has been no more contention in human history than over that single solitary word, person. The misappropriation of that word is the reason why so many wars have been fought, why slavery was allowed, why this country lost 620,000 lives to the Civil War, the reason why six million Jews were murdered during the Holocaust. History is wrought with unspeakable atrocities over the definition of that word, person. Because when you can categorize an individual as anything less than a person, it gives you the legal right to mistreat him. What is a person? This year actually marks 50 years since the oral arguments were made before the United States Supreme Court on Roe versus Wade. If you listen to the oral arguments, you see that Justice Potter Stewart asked the plaintiff's attorney a question. Justice Stewart asked, if it were established that an unborn fetus were a person within the protections of the 14th Amendment, you would have an almost impossible case, would you not? The plaintiff's attorney laughed and said, I would have a very difficult case. The debate over the 15-week abortion bill was long and emotional, and the outcome, inevitable. But Democrat Joseph Keller told supporters of the bill that it will not stop abortions. Your efforts are futile. I don't care what you pass. It's not going to work the way you want it to work. Women will have abortions, whether you like it or not. They have and they will. And you're not stopping them, no matter what you pass. You may find a way to discriminate against poorer women. Yes, that's often women of color, but not always. You may find a way to stop some individual women by denying them their rights based on how much money is in their bank account. But you won't stop women from having abortions because since there were people, women have decided not to have pregnancies, whether they threw themselves off a cliff or banged themselves with a rock or drank some kind of poison. Women have had abortions. I've been fighting this fight longer than most of the people in this chamber have been alive. I don't take pleasure in it. I don't love that so many women are forced into this. And by God, if we had better rules on contraception and things like that, there would be less abortions. And I'm not going to debate the science of it tonight. I'm telling you, you're not stopping it. Before the final vote on the 15-week abortion ban, the House had its third and final reading of HB 1765, which, among other things, will provide $70 million in grants to help fathers reconnect with their kids and connect fatherless kids with mentors. It was approved unanimously. 
It's all to address what's being called a fatherhood crisis in Florida and across the country. Before the vote, House Speaker Chris Sprouls held a big bipartisan event to address the need for more involved fathers and people who can help fill that role, a role that the Speaker is clearly emotionally invested in. I have the honor of serving as Speaker of the Florida House. I've served as a prosecutor, but the best title that I've ever had is being a dad. Sproul said the problem of missing or uninvolved dads can be connected to a myriad of societal problems. From poverty to crime to incarceration, just about every negative outcome we see that faces boys here in Florida and across the country can be linked back to an absent father in a home. One in four children in Florida and America will grow up without a father in their home. Studies show that kids without present dads are more likely to commit crimes, live in poverty, drop out of school, be depressed, or commit suicide. Fatherless boys are three times more likely to spend time incarcerated than boys who grow up with a father in their home. Make no mistake, as we stand here today, we are facing a fatherhood crisis in our state and across the nation. A crisis that is putting more young men behind bars, more families in poverty, and more people in unemployment lines. So today, it is time for Florida dads for all of us to man up and to take responsibility. I've said that we cannot legislate fatherhood, responsibility, or character. But there are things that we can do to make it easier to be a dad. Former NFL safety Jack Brewer, who serves on the Federal Commission on the Social Status of Black Men and Boys, said he was launched on his path to success by his father. When I was able to go on to college, become the first in my family to graduate, become my first in my family to get a master's degree and do all these great things that God blessed me with. It was only because of the foundation of my father. And so now when I do work, whether it's in Broward County or whether it's across the world, when we work in our orphan programs, it literally breaks my heart to see one of the biggest crises, not just in Florida or in our counties, but across our nation. We have over 18 million fatherless kids living in our country. And that should be a burden on all of us. When you talk about racism, when you talk about sexism, when you talk about criminal justice reform, and we hear these buzzwords, equity and equality, all the time, the fight for equity and equality starts with the father. A bill aimed at curbing so-called pop-up parties is on its way to the Senate floor. Sponsor Tom Wright says these impromptu social media organized pop-up parties have been criminal at times. The bill gives localities the ability to declare a special event zone around the events where fines are doubled for non-criminal violations and puts responsibility for problems on party organizers. Pop-up events are happening where someone goes online and says, come to a particular area and bring your dirt bikes, bring your jacked up trucks, bring some sort of um, vehicle and break all kinds of laws and stop traffic, um, start fights. Um, we, we, we did have in Daytona where they were shooting at either, each other from truck to truck. They were going across yards, tearing up yards with their big tires. They were going onto the beach. Um, putting sand onto people that were there, sunbathing. 
And then we had, and so we had that happen. And then we had another gentleman who actually went online. He was 16 years old from one of our cities and said, let's do it again. Um, so we're trying to uh, curb those issues. Democrats wondered about potential infringements on civil rights and civil liberties. And Republican Jeff Brandis said the bill seems like overreach. The, the way I read this bill, if I had, if I, you know, it was my birthday the other day, and if I said, hey, we're going to have the Jeff Brandis birthday party out on the beach, um, and, you know, I'm a popular guy, so 200 people show up. <laughs> Maybe not. Right. <laughs> it depends on the day. Um, and then, uh, and then a week before, I cancel the party, right? But 200 people still show up. Under your bill, I'm liable for those expenses. Isn't that correct? May I ask you a question? Are your are your people likely to be doing criminal violations? Well, let's say the the city thinks so highly of me that they create a special event zone because of the birthday party, and then I cancel the birthday party. As I read the bill, it, I would still be liable for any activities that occurs. Is that correct? You recognize Senator Brandis. This is for pop up events where people are intending to violate criminal and civil legislation that we have. And I would, I would not think that your people are going to be in that category. But if you do have an event and it does cause these types of uh, unpermitted activities, yes, you would be liable. Brandis joined Democrats in voting no on the pop-up party bill, but it was still approved 14 to 6. Here's some of what's happening in Florida politics today. The Senate will hold a floor session at 10 o'clock this morning and take up a proposed budget for the 2022-23 fiscal year. The Senate Special Order Calendar Group will set a special order calendar, which will list bills that will be heard on the Senate floor. This is going to happen 15 minutes after the Senate floor session. These House committees will meet today. The House Commerce Committee, the House Health and Human Services Committee, the House Pandemics and Public Emergencies Committee, the House Appropriations Committee, the House Ways and Means Committee, the House Education and Employment Committee, the House Judiciary Committee, the House State Affairs Committee, and the House Rules Committee. Also today, the Florida Supreme Court will release weekly opinions at 11 o'clock this morning. The Labor Marketing Estimating Conference will talk about an analysis of the gap between labor supply and demand. The Florida A&M University Board of Trustees will meet after holding committee meetings today. The University of West Florida Board of Trustees will hold a special board meeting and committee meetings this morning. The Florida Defense Support Task Force will also meet this morning. Darlene Swaffer, a Republican running in South Florida's Congressional District 22, will hold a campaign event in Broward County. And it's Clay Day at the Capitol, highlighting Clay County. From 9 to 1.30, there will be exhibits, food, and more in the Capitol Courtyard. And finally, it's been a while since we've had an old Florida kind of story, but we can't pass this one by, even though this went down in April of last year. What went down was a drunk passenger at Orlando International Airport riding a motorized suitcase while an Orlando cop on a bicycle chased him down. WKMG in Orlando posted what seems to be police body cam video on its website of an intoxicated woman who was turned away at the jetway because of her condition. She cussed out the Orlando cop who explained to her why she couldn't board and then wheeled away on her suitcase attached to some kind of an electric scooter thingy. 
Oh man, that thing kind of goes fast. I think I'm faster, but I'm gonna have a, a bike pursuing a suitcase in a minute. It's gonna be crazy. The 32-year-old woman who was on her way from Orlando to New York eventually got confrontational and was arrested. She was charged with, among other things, battering a police officer and causing more than $1,000 damage to his patrol car. She entered a not guilty plea. But I'm not going to lie, I plead guilty to wanting to know where I can get motorized luggage I can ride. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Craig Kopp. Join us again tomorrow as we do another daily dive into Florida politics.